And there are three general strategies with this. This part isn't really rocket science, but we could list the property for less than what we think it's worth. We could list it for more than what we think it's worth, or we could list it for exactly what we think it's worth. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. My name is Jason Muth, and we're here with real estate attorney, real estate broker, owner of Next Home Title Town Real Estate here in Boston, Rory Gill. Hey, Rory. Hey, Jason. I missed you. Yes, exactly. We, I feel like we just recorded one of these. I feel like so, too. Uh, camera. I didn't even do a wardrobe change, but we'll... Um... <laughs> you didn't, but you know, you're, you're all dressed up today. I mean, some people are listening to this uh, through iTunes or whatever podcast platform uh, they prefer. Some people are watching this on YouTube because we're now <laughs> recording video versions of it. Uh, and you're decked out in a suit and tie today, which is very typical for, for post-COVID work couture. Right. So, I mean, well, as we, as we get back to normal, we have to start dressing like normal again. So, you know, we we can't do everything in sweatpants. I I feel like that's going to be a whole nother topic as well, though. Like, I mean, I think that we've gone, you know, beyond the Brooks Brothers suits or Hugo Boss or whatnot. I mean, yeah, people want to get dressed the nines, but I think it's going to be a lot more business casual than, than we even expect. That's probably true. This is probably death now for formal shoe wear. You, You don't see anybody's shoes anymore. So I don't know, you market advice. Orange, orange shoes, the orange sole shoes. I am, yes. You have those on today? All right. Yes. I mean, I could not be, and I'm lying, but I, I am wearing those right now. Those are spiffy. All right. We just actually had an episode about uh, determining a the home value uh, f- if you're about to list a property. And, you know, it's uh, it, was a, it was a good conversation just talking about, uh, you know, how you as a broker determines a price uh, using a comparative market analysis, uh, actually using the Zestimate or using, you saying, you know, don't ignore it, even though you look at it at the very, very end. We talked about, you know, what comps to look at, the the 12 property method uh, with six mm-hmm. sold and was it three on the market? Three expired or canceled. Three expired or canceled. Okay. All right. So let's say, let's say we've gotten to the point that you have a price recommendation, a target price for your client. Um, mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the price at which you're going to list the property. Is that true? Not necessarily. So now we've gone through the, the analysis. We've done a good job. We've determined what the market value of the property is. Now today's conversation is what exactly we're going to do with it. Um, and there are three general strategies with this. Um, this part isn't really rocket science, but we could um, list the property for less than what we think it's worth. We could list it for more than what we think it's worth, or we could list it for exactly what we think it's worth. In the three different situations, you have three very different outcomes. There are pros and cons to each, um, and that's what we're here to go through today. Okay, so let's let's say let's put some numbers behind it just to make it tangible. I think very numerically, uh, let's use five hundred thousand dollars as the number that you think a property is worth. Okay, it doesn't matter the type, right? Let, let's call it we'll call it an urban property, right? So in mm-hmm in a city environment, in a neighborhood um, that people is, you know, has an average level of interest or, or how, do, how do you want to position that? Let's just call this an average condo unit in an average neighborhood. This is, okay. 
is this is just your average place. And okay. luckily the math worked out evenly and it's $500,000 is the market value of the home. Okay. 500K. So, okay, there we go. All right. So we'll use that going through. Good. So where do you want to start? What would the situation be where you want to go low on the, on the dot or high? So let, let's talk about um, the, the strategies and the pros and the cons of listing a property um, below market value. And there are many. So, you know, if we listed it for, you know, not 499 because 499, 499 is 500, but let's say we listed it for 480 and we went below what we think the market value is. Well, that's um, there. The advantage of that strategy is you're likely to generate a lot more interest. Um, there'll be, you'll have a higher number of people coming to the open house, a lot more excitement of the um, to see the home, and you're more likely to trigger a um, bidding war um, among your buyers. So there's um, a reason to, to to list a little bit below what we think the, the property is worth. And that works in hand if, with a strategy of driving all the interest through the property around the same time. So you'll see this commonly in this market now where people are listing for a little bit under what they think the property is going to sell for. They are withholding all showings until the first round of open houses, having an exorbitant number of people come through um, that first weekend. And now they have a bidding war on Monday or Tuesday um, that they're sorting through. That's the advantage of that strategy. Um, that works in a mild seller's market is probably the, the best time to adopt something like that. But there are downsides to that too. Um, the first of which is you're going to have a ton of people come through your home. Um, in this environment, we're kind of the, hopefully it's the tail end of COVID, but adopting this strategy in the midst of COVID means you're going to have a ton of people coming through your home. Um, for a lot of sellers that may be um, off-putting. Yeah, and it may just be a lot, even in in regular times, to have a huge audience of people come through your home. A lot of many people aren't comfortable with that. And you're going to have a lot of tire kickers and a lot of people that aren't incredibly serious with it. And then, of course, there's a big downside risk is you're going to get what you ask for, um, and to to get a, um, a a property that's um, you're going to get offers that are worth less because you valued it for less. So that's a, a downside risk. Um, to it there. Um, and then the converse strategy is listing it a bit too high. This is my least favorite strategy. This is not something um, that I would encourage anybody to do. Um, but the advantages of listing high, you may get what you ask for. Um, you may set the expectations for a few buyers that are going to come through and take a look at it. You also might constrict the actual showings of people who come through to serious buyers. Um, to those who are really particularly interested in that property, and you're not going to get the the traffic that, you know, depending on your situation, you may not want. And it also may work for sellers who are just not motivated sellers. Um, so depending on the situation, if they don't need to sell, um, but they want to see what's out there, maybe they do want to constrict um, traffic and interest to those who are at the price point that would actually get them to move out. So there are some advantages there. The big downside to it is that you're not going to get that traffic. So for most sellers, not having that attention, not generating that interest um, is going to be fatal um, to, to them getting a, a quick sale of the property. And because you have most eyes on a listing, normally I say the first 14 days that it's live, but really the first seven now that it's live, um, you know, so testing out the market at high price point and reducing it later, that's a in the market that's been the past few years and the market that I project in the next coming year, that's just a 
a bad strategy because you're likely to leave a lot of people behind. And when you reduce the price, you're left with a lot of people wondering what's wrong with it because mm-hmm. most correctly priced properties um, sell uh, sell quickly. So you're it's not a good strategy just to put things out and then just see how it goes. Yeah. I've seen a couple of properties lately that they've been reduced two or three times. And as someone that is looking at it saying, maybe I should buy this or not, it feels not only that there's something wrong with the property, but I feel like there's something wrong with the seller. Like this is going to be a difficult person to Mm -hmm. work with if they set their price, again, using the $500,000 example, let's say they set it at $579 and then they Mm -hmm. lowered it to $569. Then they lowered it to $549. And they haven't gotten any takers. I mean, like, I don't know, maybe I'll look at it and now I'm going to lowball it. You know, now I'm going to put it in an offer really low and and they're probably going to get even more annoyed with me. But, you know, part of me says, well, geez, this person had such false expectations with this property. Mm-hmm. How are they going to be to try and negotiate uh, when I'm worried about not just the price, but, you know, what the inspection turns up and any concessions I might have to get? Like, in, um, That's an interesting point. I haven't I may go back and try to quantify that later on, but um, when I've looked at properties that have been listed for a while and you go back and you see the market history, often there is a quirk um, that correlates to to that. There, Sometimes the listing agent might be the seller themselves and they've never listed anything else before and have no market history. So that's what's enabling that listing to go up there. They've not sought outside professional help. Um, or you might have an entry-only situation where they hired a listing broker, but only to put the listing up, but not to provide any other service or advice. I have seen quite a few of that. Before I say that that's, that's what's exactly out there, I should probably take a look and quantify it. But you're right. There are people are wondering what is wrong with the property. Is it is there a legal problem with the property? Is there a physical problem with the property? Is there a personality problem with the property? Um, those are all things that, um, that are red flags for people. And for most buyers, they're just going to turn their attention to what's new in the market because those are the pro- promising properties to them, the new and exciting ones. The one that's been listed for 21 days and has two price reductions, that's that's a red flag, um, certainly in this market um, for places. You just mentioned something that uh, I'm going to take it as a tangent, but um, a entry-only uh, agent. Can you define that? Because I want to tell my little story about that too. Sure. And ent- so, so it's not my place as a brokerage to criticize other brokerages. So there's a disclaimer I'll there. Well, let's relax. But the um, <laughs> the an entry only office is an office that gets paid usually a flat fee um, to be an order taker for the um, the seller, and they just you know use their MLS account, put the information in there. So now they have an MLS listing, um, but they're providing no other service. That the listing agent is not coordinating showings, they're not handling any negotiations. They're not providing any advice to the seller. You, as a buyer or buyer's rep, you have to deal directly with the seller at their AOL.com email address and try to figure it right. out. I'll offer my opinion of the situation where I encountered a listing, a uh, entry-only agent, and and that's you know if you are an entry-only agent and you're listening to this, I advise that if you're going to take an entry uh, for a listing and pocket your flat fee, you should make sure that your client has the right to use the photos that they are supplying um, to you because. <laughs> 
If they don't, you can get into a copyright infringement issue. And I certainly didn't push the buttons, but I sent a sternly worded email when there was a photo that I took. And by taking it, I own the copyright that uh, I discovered on a listing. And I said, you don't own that photo. I own that photo. And I just want you to take it down. The response was the seller said that, you know, we could use these photos. We just, you know, entered mm -hmm. the listing. And I'm thinking, you have a responsibility to understand that what you're, you know, representing is is accurate. So mm -hmm. on we went from there. And you know, I won't put you in a legal bind to make a comment on that, but me as the copyright owner of that photo, I just basically said take it down. Yeah. But totally separate conversation. <laughs> that's fair. Maybe maybe we'll talk about what, we're, this is real estate law, right? You know, that's what the subject mm -hmm. of this podcast is. So, you know, sometimes we'll talk more about real estate. Sometimes we'll talk about law and a, a little copyright law that won't hurt us either. Will it? We'll find out when we get the cease and desist. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So back to, yeah. back to the task at hand. So we talked about high, you know, all the issues with, with listing it too high, you know, this market these days, more people are deferring to, you know, listing it for the price it's worth or a little low because they want to, you know, just really stoke the flames of a buyer's war. Right. Sure. So we have, we've talked about like pricing low and pricing high. Um, what's left is pricing um, on or about exactly what the property's worth. And that is my advice for people. And I expect that to be my advice going forward this year. Um, because you have a bit of a seller's market. You don't need the artificial um, interest in pricing low. Um, that's, you don't need to, to generate that extra hype um, that you would in a more of a stagnant market. Um, you can list for what it's worth, get the correct amount of interest um, through the property. If you still follow the, the right marketing strategy, you're likely to have a bidder's war, but perhaps a, you know, a few less offers, um, but you'll be selling for more what you need. And why that's better than just listing low in this market, um, you know, we see a lot of agents right now who are listing properties and bragging that they sold it for $50,000 over this price. Yes. That feels good when that happens to your listing. But what that tells me is that you listed it too low, um, that you're, you didn't value the property quickly and you had a pleasant surprise on the backside. Now, sure, there's credit to be earned if you had a great, brilliant marketing effort to end up have, you know, fetching that price afterward. Um, you're certainly better than had you overpriced the listing and tried to work uh, backward from there. But if you're fetching way more than the list price uh, consistently, then perhaps you're not um, listing the property um, where it should be. As a you know a potential buyer, could I could I just add a comment about agents that do that? Like honestly, there's a little bit of like, get off your high horse, like as someone that's looking for properties. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, everyone's always looking for properties, but you, know, you almost feel as though the, the fact that right now we're in, you know, a huge seller's market that the agents like internalize that and it empowers them and they become superheroes when you're communicating with them. Like be nice to people that mm -hmm. you're accepting offers from like it's a business transaction your reputation you know is at stake here like don't be you know a d-bag or something that basically says you know we hold all the cards we have the power that's not how you want to operate you don't want that that reputation from the people whose offer is 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 not accepted because that's well, happening more, more and more these days if you're going to submit an offer on a property it's more likely you're not going to get it there's more likely going to have mm -hmm. more 
property or more offers on that same property. So you kind of want to leave the people that didn't buy that uh, or didn't get it with a, with a good taste in their mouth with you as the seller's agent. And that does not always happen. And, you know, if you are listening to this and you're selling in this environment, like just there's a lot of ego in real estate, like get over yourself, really just a little bit, get over yourself. And, and this is where, this is what's good about having the two of us on this podcast. I could say this stuff like, because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not an agent, I'm not an attorney. I'm someone that's an investor and I'm someone that's like in the market, you know, looking to, you know, to buy properties, but you just, you leave that feeling saying, I'm not going to buy a property from this person again. Like they just, <laughs> they, they become, you know, it mentally difficult to work with. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you hold the cards as an agent mm -hmm. and you have a property that's in high demand, like be really respectful to the people that are bidding on that property and, you know, don't lie. And it blows my mind that agents behave in that way because one of the ancillary benefits of having a property that had a ton of interest is that you have a chance to build a uh, professional relationship with the buyer's agents that have come through or even pick up new clients with the buyers that came through um, if they're impressed with your professionalism. The more opportunities you have to interact and do business with somebody, the more relationships you're going to have and the stronger your business is going to be in the longer term. And it's such a wasted opportunity to treat people that way. Um, and not every agent's doing that, but um, they're yeah, you're right. There's a bit of an ego involved in, you know, in patting themselves on the back um, when you have such a tailwind in this market as a listing agent. Want to know what you did well and what you um, did poorly. And you, with just good data propping you up, it's hard to really diagnose exactly how well you've done. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, not to go on diatribes or whatnot, but, you know, I think that respect even in a market like this is, is super important. And, you know, I couldn't imagine if one of your agents did that. No, and you know you're you're likely to be buyer's agent. Another point, and the market is going to turn. Maybe not this year, but some other time. Um, and the more connections, the be the strong you know, the more trust you build in the market with um, your competitors, um, the better you're going to be able to serve your clients. Right. Excellent. Well, great advice once again, Rory. Um, so if people have questions about pricing strategies, uh, if they think that they were done wrong by their agent, if they are about to enter the market, they don't know where to start, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Next home Titletown real estate.com. Um, we have a couple of tools on the site to give you a preliminary estimate, but um, as we discussed, um, come talk to us. We'll not only come up with a good valuation for you, but the right uh, marketing strategy for, uh, for your home. Right on. Cool. All right. Well, good. Uh, thanks again, Rory. We really appreciate it. Uh, so once again, this has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Uh, my name is Jason Muth. This is Rory Gill with Next Home Titletown Real Estate here in Boston. And uh, we're so glad that you listened and we're looking forward to talking to you next time. Thank you. Great, we'll see you next time. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Titletown, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.